From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. Mike with you, hanging out. Another episode of Mike Davidson Lives. Glad you dialed it up. Uh, Whatever the hell you're listening. I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. Everybody's asleep but me because I'm too caffeinated. And I'm a little giddy, a little excited because uh, NFL kickoff is upon us uh, less than 24 hours from this recording. Thursday night. Rams hosting the Bills, getting to hoist up their championship banner. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of the Rams or uh, Los Angeles football in general because, well, you know, typically the Los Angeles sports fan is a little flaky, especially when it comes to football. I mean, how many times have uh, the Rams, the Chargers, the Raiders moved in and out of that city, right? Uh, but uh, I am glad to see Matthew Stafford get a chance to uh, bask in championship glory, especially since uh, he was the quarterback for the hapless Detroit Lions for all that time. And if you're a Lions fan, man, you, you got to feel good for him, but just shaking your damn head at the Ford family. And, of course, they're playing the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, a very exciting quarterback to watch. And um, I, I, the only thing more exciting to watch uh, when it comes to the Bills and Josh Allen is uh, Bills Mafia because those dudes... Those dudes are like jugglers you actually want to hang out with. Uh, but no, that's going to be a fun game tomorrow night, I'm thinking. A little concerned, though, um, because uh, Ozzy Osbourne, he's got a new album coming out, and I know he's got some health ailments. He's been battling health ailments, it seems like, for like the last three or four years. He's 73. He's going to be doing the halftime show tomorrow night. And if this was like maybe 15 years ago, Ozzy doing a halftime show for a football game, I'd be very excited, very excited. But this is like uh, me kind of biting my lip, uh, cautiously hoping for the best because, again, he's up there in years, and I, I I don't want there to be like this heightened expectation that he's just going to kick ass. He's in his 70s, peeps. Uh, but this might be one of those things where after the performance, a lot of people will go to Twitter, and if it's not good, they're going to bash it and say, oh, the that old guy shouldn't have been at the NFL kickoff. You know, you should have had, like, Ed Sheeran or something. Uh, and then, of course, saying, ah, Rock is dead, Rock is dead. And, and you know, I've said this before. Th- there are very few rock bands I can think of that could ha- do an NFL Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, Ozzy, right now, in his current age, would not be one of them. It's a, it's the kickoff game. It's still it's still a very important thing for a football fan. But uh, like uh, before the whole tragedy with Taylor Hawkins, I don't know what the band's status is going to be from here on out. But Foo Fighters would be one of them. Uh, Metallica would be another. Hell, uh, I would put Nickelback up there, and uh, some Nickelback stuff coming up here later on in the podcast. <laughs> But it's just it. There's just not a lot of rock bands uh, that can really capture the imagination of uh, the American public like there was once upon a time. You know, 15, 20, 25 years ago. It's just it's a different world. Um, yeah, I'm whispering right now because I don't want to whisp- uh, wake up anybody in the house. Uh, but I damn near came close to waking up the wife uh, just to show her that uh, something exciting has dropped on Netflix. Watch out, Stranger Things. You may think you are the streaming champion of your given platform, but no. Here in a week's time, 
you'll be surpassed by the living or undead living legend of Jared Leto. That's right, it's Morbin Time on Netflix. Morbius is streaming on that platform. Oh boy. <laughs> I was actually reading some of the comments when that was announced uh, earlier today. I, I forgot what page this was. But somebody said, yeah, this should be the uh, template for Marvel movies going on out. I mean, too much humor in them. They, you need something like this. And, of course, this dude got dogged. If, and if he wasn't being sarcastic, he deserves to be dogged. And, and granted, Marvel right now, I think creatively, in a bit of a funk. But uh, run for the hills and avoid this one. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Is like my wife used to be a, a big Jared Leto fan, at least in terms of music, 30 Seconds to Mars. I mean, that band had some decent music i wouldn't say it was great uh but given some of the stuff he's done after he won his oscar for what was it dallas buyers club uh and then like sending dead animals and condoms to cast members of suicide squad and all that i think a lot of people have kind of uh put some distance between themselves and that dude because uh he is the method actor gone wrong <laughs> and uh, uh he actually bought into the fact that people were clowning morbius on social media and that's what prompted them to put the movie in a second time theaters and you just bombed again but it's on netflix and i'm sure it's going to set all sorts of streaming records uh one thing that legitimately has set a record and this is actually kind of a cool thing and it's also kind of a sad thing at the same time i don't think there's been any way it's had a better summer than tom cruise uh and it kind of vindicates people that actually like um less cgi in their movies uh but top gun maverick i think became the first movie to be number one at the box office for both memorial day weekend and labor day weekend it brought in more cash i think it's crossed the 700 million dollar uh threshold which is good for tom cruise which is good for the movie i'm not dogging that at all i still haven't seen it i'm one of the few that have yet to see this movie but what's sad is i mean this movie came out earlier in the summer and it's number one again because I guess they re-released it. And it's, it's kind of a sad commentary about the box office. It's like there isn't... I mean, granted, it's a sequel to Top Gun, but there's just not a lot of uh, originality out there to uh, to topple that. And what's even stranger, too, uh, with this past Labor Day weekend as we're wrapping up summer, you know, the summer movie season, you think there'd be a few uh, big hitters out there. But I think number three was also a re-release, uh, Spider-Man Nowhere Home. Or No Way Home, sorry. Which uh, is one of the few movies that Sony and Marvel got right. Uh, it did pretty well in its re-release. <clears throat> making some more money. But as far as new content goes, man, uh, people are hard-pressed uh, to really go out there and spend hard-earned cash in this inflationary period of our lives to uh, sit through a movie because there's just not a lot of, lot of effort being put out there. In fact, I think more effort is being put into um, uh, the uh, the press junkets and the promotion of Don't Worry Darling than the actual movie. Uh, I talked a little bit about the um, uh, well, just kind of a thumbnail list of the crap that was going on with that movie. Was it last episode? Now we got Spitgate because apparently at uh, one of those film uh, festival premieres, it is alleged that uh, Harry Styles spat in Chris Pine's hair. And, of course, now they're having to refute that. And Chris Pine has even said, no, bro, 
it it was not spit. He did not spit in my hair. All is good. As far as we know, everything's good, right? Uh, between them, anyway. But everything else that's gone wrong with this movie, I mean, this is just kind of a, a little thing. And uh, like I said, the the whole... Uh, the dogging of this film, I guess the reviews have come back and they haven't been great. Uh, I don't know if it's the worst movie ever made, but it's just kind of like a meh, that kind of thing. And all the uh, the press and publicity with this thing. Uh, there needs to be kind of a Hearts of Darkness type of documentary made about this movie. Much like um, uh, there was a documentary made about uh, the making of Apocalypse Now. Of course, Apocalypse Now ended up becoming a classic movie. And it was really well done. And Marlon Brando's scary as F. But uh, there was so much going wrong with that movie. It's it's amazing that Francis Ford Coppola survived the experience. But this one, I mean, just it's such a colossal train wreck. Um, I, I can't imagine anybody getting excited to see it. But then again, not a lot of original content out there so maybe it becomes kind of like one of those mommy dearest uh, rocky horror picture show movies where you go and watch it for the camp value alone um now one guy that's actually winning hearts and minds on the uh the the, the film festival circuit is the uh, comeback kid brendan frazier i guess he's in the new darren arfnoski film uh what is it called the whale and he plays an english teacher who is uh, 600 pounds now uh Brandon Frazier is not quite what he once was. He's not quite as young or as fit as he once was. So he's a little beefy, but he's not 600 pounds beefy. So he had to wear a fat suit to do this role, and he's getting a lot of uh, critical acclaim. And you know, it's it's nice to see somebody get get a chance to make a comeback like that. But there have been the uh, the Wokarati PC police out there finger wagging, saying how this was uh, fattest. Or weightist, or I don't know, but basically they're saying it was wrong for them to uh, put Brendan Fraser in a 600-pound suit or like a prosthetic fat suit to play somebody that's morbidly obese like this. My only question is, uh, where do you find an actively working 600-pound actor out there? And I'm not trying to make light, so to speak, of of the situation. I'm just saying how it is. This is a work of fiction, and. Uh, yeah, brace yourself, sit down for this one, you're going to be just aghast what I want to tell you. Uh, most actors and actresses pretend to be other people. And it's we've got we got to this point in society that uh, if, if Brendan Fraser waited 10, 15 years from now to try to make this comeback, of course he'd be a lot older, uh, but the only person he'd be allowed to play is Brendan Fraser. I mean, you laugh, but that's kind of where we're heading here, uh, because we're just we're just nitpicking at everything. I mean, hell, uh, Elijah Wood and uh, Sean Astin couldn't play hobbits because they're not short people, uh, or whatever the term may be this week. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Rings of Power. We we t I delved into this a little bit. Um, I, I, last episode about how like there have been a lot of reviews and how Amazon actually shut down reviews on their platform Amazon Prime because of the racist trolls out there and I think IMDB has been scrubbing some 
some reviews of the show. Any guesses as to who owns IMDb? If you said if you said uh, Amazon, you would be absolutely right. Um, but uh, it just seems a little weird that they're kind of doing this because they did hype not too long ago that worldwide 25 million people have seen Rings of Power. And uh, I think at least the first um, day or so. Uh, Samba TV. Uh, the, I, I don't know how they get these numbers because uh, the streaming numbers are kind of kept to, uh, close to the vest mo by and large. Um, but uh, they kind of broke it down. And they did a comparison between both uh, Rings of Power and uh, House of the Dragon, which is the prequel to... Uh, Game of Thrones, and it's also had its fair share of criticism of fans and fans criticizing it, but uh, kind of an interesting breakdown I'm reading here. A lot more U.S. households, according to Samba TV, watched House of the Dragon Episode 1 versus the first episode of The Rings of Power. In both the show's first four days, House of the Dragon was watched by 4.8 million U.S. households, while The Rings of Power drew in 1.8 million. What's more, 2.6 million of the House of the Dragon household views were in the first six hours. So this thing was like hot off the presses as soon as it started streaming. But was it the first day? Yeah, the first four days. Uh, it beat out the Rings of Power here stateside by at least 3 million viewers. And it's kind of weird uh, watching some of the numbers kind of broke down here. Uh, they're talking about how like... Uh, the uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings show, show, Rings of Power. And keep in mind, this has only been like, what, week one, week two? So it, the numbers could go up here. They will go up. Uh, but it's the fourth biggest streaming show of the year behind The Dragon, uh, Stranger Things, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now keep in mind, too, that a lot was made about the budget for uh, uh, Rings of Power, which is was damn near a billion dollars. Stranger Things Season 4... The uh, the total season budget was two hundred seventy million dollars, just slightly about a hundred million dollars actually above Top Gun Maverick, and the budget for Obi Wan Kenobi, which was a flaming piece of crap by the way, ninety million dollars. So so far, Obi Wan Kenobi uh, with little under a tenth of the Lord of the Rings Rings of Power budget streamed more and shattered more records than the show. And again, this is the first week I get it, but uh, that doesn't really that doesn't really sound too impressive, especially since this is supposed to be a worldwide event and all that stuff. Uh, and I and I want to break this down too. Um, I went to Rotten Tomatoes because a lot of their reviews haven't been censored, and we've gotten the to this point where it's like if you bash a show, you're obviously racist. And that's been kind of the the complaint is like they're they're tired of defending the show because it's woke because of its diverse casting and everything, and they they take these uh, few reviews that they perceive to be racist and anybody that has a negative review of this show is kind of lumped in with them, and I know that uh, because of some of these bad reviews, uh, cast members of the original Lord of the Rings are wearing a. Uh, T-shirts and hats that say "You are welcome" and "Elvish" or something. I'm going to read some of these Rotten Tomato reviews, and if you can, you know, if we can, we'll find some of the racism in in these reviews. 
Uh, Rod D, he writes, I couldn't watch 20 minutes. This does not resemble Tolkien's work of the second age. The screenplay and dialogue is predictable and boring. That should have been bought the rights. They should have bought the rights to the relevant material. There are so many great stories, and they have done none of it. What a waste of $750 million. Uh, David T says, I had high hopes for the show. I read the original work, took notes while reading it, took four months of my life. I am not convinced the show writers read the source material. Walter S. watched the first two episodes, love Lord of the Rings, and expected so much from this series, exceedingly mediocre. Uh, Chris V., terrible, a disgrace to Tolkien. Uh, Zian, Zion, uh, one star review too. Uh, good actors, good scenery, good shots, destroyed by bad writing. This is not Tolkien. And even without that label, it would have been an embarrassing show. Amazon, what were you thinking? Let's grab some cash with a soulless adaptation? You should be ashamed of yourself. Could have been a good one, but in the end, you chose to suck. Alex Z, horrible writing, bad acting, terrible pacing, and the worst thing is, it's absolutely boring. And I'll read one more, just why not? ZT, are they serious? Like, is this show just a precursor for the actual show? One that uses Tolkien legendarium in a respectful and accurate manner? Because all I have seen is a cash grab. The show is painful to watch. Suddenly, the Hobbit movies are excellent. Yeah, I mean... The I don't really get a lot of the racism in those uh, reviews. In fact, I think the common theme was bad writing, and bad writing cannot be covered up with, well, if you don't like it, you obviously uh, are on the wrong side of history. Because I did this with Obi-Wan Kenobi in the uh, stupid-ass uh, trench coat episode. And I pointed out how stupid this was and how bad the writing was and how out of character some of the people on the show were. And a lot of people, because of uh, uh, the black lead actress of the show, she was getting some unwanted criticism. Uh, I was called a racist, even though I never criticized one thing about her performance. And this kind of goes back to what I said with that episode. Sure, there are to toxic fans out there who are actually sexist and racist and all that stuff. But uh, there are also toxic fans that buy in... To a franchise so much so that any little criticism of that franchise and they will go after you ooh, just so bad like you've uh, pissed on their religion and in some ways maybe you have just by saying your two cents but uh, that's what we got kind of going here and you've got Amazon you know kind of scrubbing IMDB and you know putting a halt on some of the reviews for Amazon Prime and then you get this, uh, this, uh, these numbers broken down stream-wise. I think they're masking some problems here. And the thing is, is this show's supposed to go on for another five years or five seasons. It's a pretty ambitious undertaking, but uh, at the same time, it just seems like they jumped right into it without any, um, without any concern about what the fans wanted. They were just doing it to do it. It's a name. Let's make cash off it. And when people said, you know what, this product isn't quite the same. Well, they're racists and they're sexists. And, uh, yeah, we got three reviews out of a billion to prove it. Uh, but if you want to uh, read uh, more about them standing together in Elvish, you can. I got that linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, 
this band will give fans what they want, even though the fans had to like wait five years for it. Nickelback, uh, they just announced that they've got a new album coming out just in time for Christmas, November 17th. Get rolling. Of course, that really doesn't matter anymore because um, everything is streamed. You really don't buy albums anymore, right? Uh, but they dropped the first uh, single from uh, the album San Quentin, and uh, some people who aren't even Nickelback fans are digging it. And, you know, the, the sad reality is, for all the work all these hipsters put into making Nickelback out to be the worst band ever, I don't get the joke. Maybe it was funny, like, maybe when Nickelback had, like, what was it, All the Wrong Reasons or any of their previous albums from that. You know, back in their heyday when they were actually... I mean, they're still a very successful band, but, like, when they were just selling millions and millions of albums, maybe that made sense. But uh, as somebody who's lukewarm to the band, and I am, I'm not really into Nickelback, I've heard a lot worse. Have you ever tried to stomach an Imagine Dragons song? And yet there are some uh, radio stations out there that still try to put that crap on to their stations. Uh, or Five Finger Death Punch, can they go an album without covering a beloved classic and just stripping of what makes that song great? I mean... They slowed down Gone Away by The Offspring. They made Bad Company a tough song. Yeah. Uh, Nickelback is going to go on tour with this. And they're going to pack a lot of houses. And you can't say that they're the worst band of that era. There's no way. In fact, uh, uh, what was it? Years ago, me and a bunch of buddies, we went to go to one of Nickelback shows. Uh, we actually went because Bush was opening up for them they were touring with them because uh, i got a buddy hate rob haywood who he's a big fan of gavin rosdale and bush and i i can't explain he follows them around like they're the grateful dead um but we went to it to see them and before nickelback went on stage we went back out in the parking lot to drink and it just kind of dawned on us that that how that place was just packed it was verizon Klipsch, deer creek whatever you want to call it down there in noblesville Packed to see Nickelback. And we kind of hung our heads in shame a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why, but we did. We were saddened by that fact. But it is what it is, man. And they're, they're a successful band. Um, and I'll say something as somebody who is a recovering radio semi-professional. I am kind of amazed that uh, radio playlists got away from playing a lot of Nickelback. I mean, How You Remind Me kind of survived. Rockstar every now and again. But, you know, if you were to put five or six more songs in the rotation, I think that uh, listeners would be a little more forgiving than you give them credit for. But that's just me kind of talking out of my uh, ass hindsight 2020. So there you have it. Uh, brace yourself. Nickelback, just in time for Christmas. Oh, uh, speaking of Christmas, before I go off on too much of a tangent with this last story, yesterday... I was on the recliner. I got home from work. Wife was working on a puzzle. She stepped out of the room for a little bit. And it was one of those free streaming services where, you know, they break up a show and they show commercials. Saw my first Christmas commercial yesterday. We still have weeks of summer, official summer left. And I saw my first Christmas show, a commercial. It's from Glade, of all things, man. You'd think they'd be pushing the pumpkin spice and the apple cider scents. But no, they're going straight into the holly. 
All right, uh, enough of that rant. Finally, somebody that needs to get a job, uh, Nickel, or Nickelback, Nirvana Penis Baby, uh, the iconic uh, album cover to Nevermind, 1991. You know, the, the baby naked in the pool going after money. Well, uh, the kid that posed for it is all grown up, so to speak. Uh, didn't have a problem with it before and would actually talk about how it was an honor and how iconic it was. And anytime there was a a 10th anniversary, a 15th anniversary, 20th, 25th anniversary pressing of said album. Uh, he'd be there in front talking <laughs> like he wasn't before. He'd be in front talking about, oh, yeah, I was part of that, too. I took a picture. Well, of course, uh, Baby's got to make money, so he decided to sue the band last year. He filed a lawsuit. Lo and behold, the lawsuit has been ejected. So Nirvana Baby Penis Baby, cover up Baby Wang and go get a job, please. I mean, it, look, as a parent, I, there'd be no way in hell I'd let any of my kids be naked for an album cover, but I'm a parent now. I would say no to that. If you're going to be pissed off about anything, be pissed off at your parents for saying, oh, yes, our junior would love to be in front of millions of millions of sarcastic teenagers. They'll go, look, baby wing, and laugh it off. Yeah. He's, he's living a charmed life. All right, that's enough uh, for this go-around. Until next episode, stay fresh, cheese man. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlive. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlive.